Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. If you don't know me, my name is Jake. I'm a pastor on staff, work primarily with the kids and students, nursery all the way up to young adults. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I want to start off by saying that we're in our series, Asking for a Friend, and I've been tasked with responding to all of the LGBTQ plus questions. And so this morning, we're going to be diving into questions um, related to LGBTQ plus issues, but also how we should react or relate to people that are part of this community. So we'll go through questions like, should we separate ourselves from family members that are gay? How should we respond to our son who told us he's gay? We'll respond to the question, if we disagree with someone or with same-sex marriage but love the individuals, should I attend their wedding? Um, Our teenage daughter states she's non-binary. She wants to change her name and be referred to as they, them. How do we be countercultural, love her, and not dishonor God? And so we're going to get into a lot of these questions. And I would imagine I've piqued your interest already. And before we get into those questions, though, I want to start off with some housekeeping things. If you're a parent and you have a kid in our kids' ministry, I want to give you an assignment today. Okay? Are you guys ready? Just wave to me if you have a kid in the kids' ministry, whether it's nursery, whether it's kids' ministry. So when you go pick up your kids today, I want you to say thank you to the volunteer who ministered to your kid today. Right now, as we're speaking, we'll have roughly... Um, a hundred, probably close to like, right now we'll have close to us, probably 70 people who are volunteering and ministering the gospel to your child. And this is very important for multiple reasons. Firstly, because as a church family, it's not, it's, we, we're partnering with you to minister to your kids. But secondly, because of our, the culture and where we're at, it's so important that we reinforce biblical values to our kids And so we have volunteers, like I said, 70 people right now that are sacrificing their time to minister to your kids the gospel. So say thank you to them. Say thank you for ministering and loving my child um, on a week-in, week-out basis. And what I'll say here is if you have interest in helping us raise the next generation, you can help us by serving on Sunday mornings. And so if that's you and you feel a tug from the Lord to do that, I encourage you to check out the area, talk to a pastor or a leader, and ask them, how can I serve? So let's keep moving. Last little housekeeping thing is if you're a guest, first time or maybe first or second time, I want to welcome you. So glad you're here with us at Res Life Church. We have a gift for you. And so if you're new, go out these uh, doors on the main level to our community room and we have people would love to get to know you, help you get connected. And let's jump into it. So some of you are nervous right now that we're talking about it. Some of you are, are, are intrigued. Some of you are maybe scared or nervous, maybe because there's a lot of different people in this room, people with different backgrounds, different struggles, different family dynamics. So we have a, maybe, I would imagine, conservative Christians who can't comprehend what is happening in our culture as it relates to our ethic around sexuality. We have a, maybe a Christian who's a newer Christian and is kind of like middle of the road, is kind of like that libertarian Christian that's like, listen, let's just not get into this fight. Let them do them. We'll do us and just leave me alone. And maybe we have someone who 
has a son or a daughter who just came out as transgender and they're really navigating what does this mean for me and our family. We have someone maybe in this room who has a family member who just asked them to attend their gay or lesbian wedding. We have maybe a college student who's very skeptical about the straight white man who is on the stage right now about to talk about LGBTQ plus issues. <laughs> and we have maybe a high school student who has a number of LGBTQ plus friends and they're wondering right now, am I going to be someone who's going to hate their friends? We have high school student who's same-sex attracted and hasn't told their parents. Maybe there's an older man or woman who's been same-sex attracted their whole life and has never told anyone. I, I just list these um, hypothetical people because I just know that there are so much, there's so much diversity in this room, not just in skin color, but in beliefs and in, in upbringing and in, in really situations in life. And I, and I preface that to say my heart in this message is to, pres- to have compassion on the LGBTQ plus people, but without compromise. My, my goal is to say, I want to, send a, I want to speak a message of, lo- of the love of Jesus Christ while also pointing you to his standard that we see in the Bible. And I also want to speak to the people in this room who have family members to say that we need the help of the Holy Spirit and we need the help of the local church in order to continue to be a light to our community and to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ well. Here's some statistics for us as we jump into this conversation. Um, according to a Gallup poll, um, 20% of Gen Z, which is roughly 14 to 25-year-olds, um, 20% identify as LGBTQ+. So for out of every um, five 14 to 25-year-olds that you'll see, one of them will be identified as LGBTQ+. That's, that's more. Millennials are about a tenth, so 10%. And it basically halves every generation. And so what's interesting is that one-fifth of Gen Zers identify as LGBTQ+, yet we don't talk about this issue in a gospel-centered light as often as we should. We either have people who are extremely affirming or we have people who try to ignore it. Or we have people who, who are very adamant and very intense in the debate. And I would just like to offer that I think that the message of the gospel is the perfect message for any group of sinners. The the message of the gospel is perfect for anyone who might be searching for truth. And Jesus Christ is our savior, not just ours, but the savior of the whole world. And so as we jump into this as well, I have another study I want to reference. I think it helps frame our conversation. A study from, um, his name is Dr. Andrew Marin, did a study with a progressive, uh, a, a progressive researcher and did a study also at the same time with a conservative Christian researcher and doctor. And so they kind of collaborated to try to attempt to have an unbiased sample size of the LGBTQ plus community as it relates to church and religion, specifically Christians. And so what he found was that 83% of LGBTQ plus people attended church growing up, 83%. He also found that 51% of those people left their faith community after the age of 18, meaning that they grew up in it and they left it. And this is what he found. The last thing, which is the one I want to focus on, is 3% of those people left. The primary reason being the church's doctrine on same-sex sexuality. 
Let me say that again. 3% of the people, LGBTQ plus people, who left their church left because of the doctrine or what they taught about sex and sexuality. What does that mean? That means that how they were treated was the main contributor to why they left. Not because the church held a historic Christian view that sex is between one man and one woman. What's my message to us? What, what am I getting to? How we respond to our maybe kids who are identifying or family members or maybe people, maybe you are identifying as LGBTQ+. How we respond to people that come into our church family matters. They are not problems to solve. They are not people to reject. They're people that we need to extend the love of Christ to like anyone else who would come into our church family. And we need to avoid the trap of our culture, which is to view them as a them, to view them as like an outsider. We need to have be people who are like, the gospel is for everyone. Come, let's worship Jesus. Let's learn what the Bible says and let's navigate life forward as we seek to obey Christ and obey the scriptures. Now, that does not mean that we're gonna reach every single LGBTQ plus person, but it does mean that we are building a house of God that people can come and meet Jesus in. So as we jump into these questions, I, I want to admit that I know that there are people that are nervous right now, people that are, are curious because you have family members, you have friends, you have coworkers, maybe you yourself are a part of the LGBTQ community and you're curious how we're going to respond to this. What I'll say, I'm going to reference James 4 first. It says this, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse yourselves or cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And I would say this to all of us. Let's be humble in this conversation. Let's be humble. Let's be listeners. Let's, let's show compassion without compromise. But let's be humble. And to those who might disagree with me on this topic, let's be humble. Because the question that we're diving into is, who has the authority? Who gets to determine what is right and what is wrong? Who gets to determine what is allowable and forbidden? Who is our authority? And the scriptures say in Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a current in our culture that is from academia, from Hollywood, from Disney, to, to uh, sports, from everywhere, which is preaching a message of ultimate individualism and relativism that preaches whatever you want to do, you can do it. And we, as Christians, must ask ourselves, who is our authority? Am I my own authority? Or if I submitted myself, like James 4 says, 
to God and to his scriptures. Because that's the premise that we're, I'm coming from today is that I'm not coming with my own opinion. I'm coming to this, my conclusions from what the scriptures teach about same-sex sexuality and issues of LGBTQ plus that are in our culture. I'm coming at it from the authority of the scriptures. Now, some people would call me bigoted. Some people would call me, uh, uh, I hate these people. And I just want to send a message. I do not hate anyone who's in the LGBTQ plus community at all. I love them with the love of God. I have compassion for every person that I come across with. But my, the greatest commandment that Jesus taught me was to love God with my heart soul, heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love my neighbor as myself. And what I've noticed in our culture is that we have forgotten the first commandment. We think the greatest commandment is to love people and to be nice. But the greatest commandment is to love God first. That is the greatest commandment, is to prioritize him and his word over everything else, even if it is difficult to swallow. Because this is the question that I'd like to ask us as we're seeking the truth on this issue is, do we believe Jesus's way of life is the best possible way we could live? Do we believe that we are smarter than God? Do we believe that we have discovered something in 2023 that Jesus and the apostles didn't consider? You see, Jude talks about how the faith was delivered once and for all to the saints, that the truth does not change, but that the truth is eternal. We find that truth in the word of God. So as we get going into this, I wanna also read 2 Timothy 4. It says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. There are TikTokers, there are YouTubers, there are Instagram influencers that are, that are sending a message that is the antithesis of the gospel. And the message is this, hey, what do you feel? Do it. The message of the gospel is the opposite. Christ said, I came to free you from your lusts that are destroying you. I came to free you from your sin that is robbing you from joy. And now pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. You see, the message of culture is one of a threefold. It's relativism, which says all truth is subjective. It's from the sexual revolution of the 1960s, which says, if it feels good, do it. And it's individualistic. And it says that I only matter about me. It's me and my life and my wants, my desires, my feelings. You see, this is the culture that we're in. And we have to avoid the conformity of the world and be transformed by what God says in his word. We must submit ourselves. And let me remind you of the promise that if we'll humble ourselves before the Lord, he will exalt us from James 4. So let's jump into these questions and go. First question, should we separate ourselves from family members that are gay? Should we separate ourselves? <laughs> Simply put, no, no. Well, Jake, am I, if, I, if I am nice to them and if I'm friendly to them, am I not endorsing their lifestyle? No. You see, God calls us to have compassion without compromise. 
He calls us to reach people with the message of the gospel, with love and compassion and listening and relating to them. Listen, the most important thing about your gay friend, gay family member, lesbian friend or lesbian coworker is not their sexual identity. The most important thing about them is that they are an image bearer of God that, is, that, that deserves worth, dignity, respect, and love. They are not problems to be solved. They are people. So the question is, well, how do I, how should I respond to my, my uh, cousin who is living with his wife? Should I disown them? No, you should love the people. You see, we just, we sometimes can categorize uh, homosexuals or categorize LGBTQS community because it's a hot topic, categorize them in a category of their own. We must disown them, but we don't do that with other categories of sin. And so we have to realize that we need to be consistent with this. Not that there are different challenges with this category, but they are still people, image bearers of God that we need to seek to love and serve as best we know how. Now I'll admit, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the wisdom of God and we need the wisdom of wise counsel and how to do that well. I was speaking with a, with a, with a mom right after the first service and she came up to me and said, you know, we have a, a son who's gay and he, he's, you know, and, and we, he came out about 12 or like 10 years ago or something like that. And and they were like, just, we wish we had this message 10 years ago because we fumbled forward and how to love him well. But we've loved him well. We've loved him well through his choices. And so simply put, should we um, separate ourselves? No, I don't think you should. Second question, how should we respond to our son who told us he is gay? How should we respond? So the first thing I'll say here is that just because someone is attracted to the same sex does not mean that they are sinning, okay? So if, if someone is attracted to the same sex, that is not an automatic sinner who's going to hell. We all have attractions and lusts that are contrary to God's word. Matthew talks about it. He says, if you lust after a woman, meaning if you have imaginations about a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart already. And so it's not a matter of what we're tempted with. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, and yet he didn't sin. So temptation is not inherently a sin. It is what we do with temptation, which makes it sinful. And so if your son or daughter tells you I'm gay or lesbian, what you need to ask is what do you mean? What do you mean? Do you have attractions do you feel emotionally connected to the same sex? Is it, it, what do you mean by that? And don't make um, instant judgments on what your son or daughter is dealing with. But seek to listen and understand and walk the journey with them. And here's my, my second um, little piece of advice is it's called your game face, okay? Your kids are always gonna say things to you that just make you like really worried, <laughs> Right? And so we need to have a game face, which is just like, you know what? When my kid tells me something that shocks me, I need to have a calm face. Because when your son or daughter comes out as gay or lesbian specifically, culture has already told them, your parents, if they're evangelical Christians, they hate you, they'll disown you, and you need to separate yourselves from them because they're gonna hate you. And so we gotta be really, we gotta be really dependent on the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? I'm gonna respond with, listening, humility, and I'm going to respond with patience 
and I'm not going to take it personal. Now, I understand when this happens, it's very difficult for both parties. It's very difficult for, a, for someone who grew up in the church and knows what their parents think about homosexuality to come out as gay. It's very difficult for the, for the son. It's also very difficult for the parents. It's very difficult to have, you know, you have your dreams and you have your expectations of what they'll become. And when that message comes to you, you it almost feels like you failed. And I just want to mention that it's, it's not a matter of failure. It's a matter of seeking wisdom in the moment, realizing that your child trusted you with that information. And now God is saying, now walk with them with compassion, without compromise. Amen? So five things that I think you should do if your son or daughter comes out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, non-binary, or transgender. It's kind of like all, like if your son or daughter comes out and they're a part of the LGBTQ plus community, I think there's five things that we got to prioritize. The first thing is the relationship with your child. You have to prioritize the heart connection. Every child has needs. Every person has legitimate needs of the soul to be loved, to be heard, to be, uh, to be unique, to be affirmed. Not in the form of their lifestyle, but affirmed as a person. Included, purpose, rested, safe. And your job as a parent or even a family member is to seek to love that person where their felt needs are. Now, this is the compassion part. The compassion part is to love the person through their journey. Love them. Seek to build a relationship. And remember, the most important thing about them is not their sexual identity. It is that they are an image bearer of God. They're an image bearer of God. And here's a lie from culture that you'll be told or that you've already been told. You have to affirm your child in order to love them. You have to affirm their identity in order to love them. And I'll, I'll just say here, that is not true. It's not true. We don't, we don't just give our kids whatever they want. We as parents need to view um, their life from a higher view. And I would say we need to view it from a biblical view and say we do not need to affirm their identity in order to love them, but we need to affirm their identity in Christ and then also walk with them on a journey towards Christ. So that's a tough one because culture is, is very adamant about this. So much to say that the predominant um, counseling advice from the American uh, Psychologist, uh, Psychologist Foundation states that the best practice for a transgender child is to affirm their identity as a parent. They will tell you that if you do not affirm your child's identity, you are pushing them towards suicide. And I would reject this fully not in, the sense that, not in the sense that they don't know what they're talking about, but in the sense of a biblical perspective, we have an allegiance to the scriptures and to God's truth opposed to psychological conclusions. And we love our children. We have compassion without compromise. So the second thing, first thing is prioritize the relationship with your child. Do not reject them and seek to connect with them on a heart level. Second thing you should do, is know the truth about what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. Know the truth about what the Bible teaches about homosexuality. 
I'm not, this is not to beat anyone over the head. This is to give a clear representation of what the Bible teaches. Leviticus 18, 22 says this. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Romans 1, 26 through 28 says, For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men, likewise, gave up the natural relationships with women and were consumed with passion for another for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what uh, ought not to be done. First Corinthians 6 says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of uh, you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, I, I share those verses not to beat anyone over the head. I share them to say that the Scripture... The scriptures and the historical church position on this is, is extremely clear. That, that sexuality is designed for a marriage union between one man and one woman. That, that is the scriptural foundation that, that progressive Christians are trying to undermine, but they're, not, they're, they're taking the scriptures out of context. So I could do a whole message. I actually did a whole message on this on a Sunday night. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about that, you can kind of reference it. I think it was back in, I think it was back in February that I did that message on a Sunday PM service. But what I'll say here is though, I was talking to my four-year-old. I have a four-year-old and he asked me this question, dad, why did you get married? You know, kids ask silly questions. And I'll tell you what my initial thought was. But then I, I, I was questioning my response. I said, well, I married your mom because we love each other. So it got me begging the question, what is the purpose of marriage? Because if, if that's the response that I give, then what response can I give to a homosexual or to a gay or to a lesbian couple of of why they can't get married. If it's just about two people who love each other, then why can't we support gay marriage? And it got me begging the question. I think we need to have a more robust answer to why people get married. I think we need to have a more biblical response to why God created marriage. And that's my first point, is that God did create marriage. The state does not license marriage. The state can give you tax benefits, but the state cannot license marriage because God created it. In Matthew 19, it says this. Let me pull up my verse here. In Matthew 19, I will find it. It's going to be on the screen. And he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Well, therefore God is joined together. Let not man separate. So what's the point? God joins male and female together in marriage and they become one. It says what God has joined together, not what the state has joined together, what God has joined together 
And so what's my point? What is the purpose of marriage? I'll give you a quick definition. The purpose of marriage is to represent the covenantal love of God on the earth. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 11.2, God speaking here. For I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. God's covenantal love for humanity is imaged or it is represented in marriage. This is what it says in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So marriage is an institution God created to point humanity to the covenantal love of God. And so when my four-year-old asks me, Daddy, why did, you get, why did you marry mom? My response is because God loved us so much that he gave us this gift of marriage so that we could show you what God's love is really like. We can show you that marriage is till death do us part. That me laying down my life for my wife, my wife laying down her life for me and two totally different people, male and female, are gonna come together as one. It's a picture of God. Think about how much different God is than you. Think about how much different... Different God is than you. He is infinite, omnipotent, omniscient. He knows everything. He is all powerful. He created the universe. And it says this, that he wants to become one with you. And so marriage is two different people coming together as one, pointing to a creator God who says, I'm different than you, humanity, but I want to marry you. We're called, the church is called the body of Christ. It's not a religious term. It's, it's, we are called the, the bride of Christ. It's not a religious term. It's because God's love for us is represented in marriage. Now, some of you are saying, okay, Jake, I get it. That's idealistic. 50% of marriages in the church um, end in divorce. And we've all been divorced. And my parents were terrible. They didn't even like each other. They yelled at each other. I saw no love of God in my parents' marriage. And this is what I'd say. Never get your theology from human weakness. Do not ever come to conclusions about what is true from what you see in sinful humanity. You see, the reason God sent Christ to earth was to show you what love was, to show you a better way, to empower you with his spirit, and to tell you that there is a way that God intended for you to live, and it is by following Jesus Christ. We find truth not from human weakness and feelings and emotions. We find the truth from the person of Jesus Christ and what's revealed in the scriptures. Remember we talked earlier about authority. The, the safest place we could ever be, no matter what your temptation, what your struggle is, no matter what you're going through, is submitting yourself to God. It's saying, I, God, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your word endures forever and I will trust you. You see, American culture tempts us with this carrot that goes right in front of us to say that you can be your own God, that you are smarter than God. And I'm telling you, you are not. Jesus's way of life is the best possible way that you could live. Third thing that I want you to consider if your son, daughter, or family member came out as part of the LGBTQ community. Remember, first thing, prioritize the relationship. Second thing, know the truth about what the Bible says about sex, marriage, and sexuality. Third thing is do not underestimate the power of the gospel. God does not want to turn gay people straight. He wants to save sinners. 
He's not saying, oh, let's work on them to see if they can be heterosexual. No, God wants to save people. I was a heterosexual sinner. There are people who are homosexual sinners. There are people who are greedy, people who are jealous. God did not come just to save one class of people. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And the truth is that our world, not all sinners of of all sorts, they are lost children. And the power of the gospel is what gets them back. It is the message that Jesus Christ, his love that is unmatched in all of the human history came to save you from sin and to save you from destruction. Do not underestimate the power of the gospel. Lori Krieg, who is a, um, who's an author and who really has a podcast and really talks about LGBTQ plus issues. She is same sex attracted. And this is what she said. She's a Christian. I was transformed not from gay to straight, but from enslaved to my wants to surrendered to the only one who could truly meet my core needs. This is the power of the gospel. Is that we who are wandering lost sheep find the shepherd who can truly lead us. You see, we think we know what's best for us. And I'm speaking to heterosexual tone. I'm talking to all of us. We think we know what's best. But the truth is we are all without Christ, sheep without a shepherd. And we are heading towards the cliff. But praise be to God that he sent his son, that we would have the image of God on the earth to show us a better way. The fourth thing I think you should do is pray a lot. Pray, get on your knees. And the the fifth thing is if you do have someone um, in your family and you're looking for help and you're looking for support, seek help. Seek Christian counseling. But I do want to put a a little asterisk here. Not all Christian counseling is biblical counseling. Just because someone claims to be a Christian counselor does not mean that they will be the best resource for your child or for you. There are Christian counselors in our city who are gay and transgender affirming, meaning that they will push your child further into the LGBTQ plus community and they claim to be Christians. So you need to be very careful about what type of counselor you send your kid to or you send yourself to. Uh, Next question I want to get into is, if I disagree with same-sex marriages but love the individuals, should I attend their wedding? Simply put is I think I have, uh, there are people I highly respect on both sides of these issues, or this issue. Meaning I know people who I highly respect who say you shouldn't attend. And I know people that I highly respect in the Christian leadership community, pastoral community, who would say that there are situations that you can go to gay weddings in support of an individual and not the relationship. But what we'll say here is that we might say you have some liberty or some Christian liberty. But I would say don't ever make a decision on this issue because it is a critical issue. It is delicate. Do not ever go without praying and do not go without seeking wise counsel on what you should do because every situation is unique and every situation is delicate and we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in all of these issues. Uh, Next question. Our teenage daughter states she is non-binary. She wants to change her name and to be referred to as they, them. How do we be countercultural, love her, and not dishonor God? Now, this, these are hard to answer because every situation is unique, but kind of a principle that I would, I would propose to us about these types of uh, issues relating to non-binary or um, transgender 
or any of these other issues, my, my encouragement would be to ask questions and to not be so quick to come down hard on a child, but to seek to understand what they mean. What do you mean by that? And then help navigate their, their emotions, feelings, and, and urges and help navigate them towards Christ but not bashing them over the head with the Bible, but to instead walk with them on a journey to to discover what God's design for gender and sexuality is. That's my simple response, but it's so delicate. And and I'll throw the email on the screen right now, actually. If you have a situation, it doesn't have to just be um, transgender or non-binary, but if you have a situation relating to LGBTQ plus issues that you are navigating, whether that's you are part of the LGBTQ plus community and you want to... understand more about what we believe and help answer questions that you have. Or if you have a family member and you need help, I, I, I kind of got a team of about 15 pastors from staff who are ready to walk with you through your situation. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not naive enough to think that my message this morning can, can answer all of your questions. So the email, keep that email up there for a, about another minute. And if you want help navigating a situation, please reach out to us. That's why we're here. Every situation is unique, but I did want to take this opportunity to talk about gender uh, briefly. So our culture is telling us that gender is a spectrum and that there are more than two genders. And simply put, I will read Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this is the part where I would say we need to have compassion, but we need to not compromise. God has told us in his word, in Genesis 1 and Matthew 19, and also in Ephesians 5, that God created humanity fearfully and wonderfully made male and female. That God created people not on a gender spectrum, but he created people um, sexed and it is binary. And now, I know what some people are going to say, what about intersex? What about all these other issues? I don't have time to go into those today. Great um, opportunity for you to email that so that we can have a conversation about that. But simply put, God in his word has told us that he has created them male and female. Now, for those that do have gender dys- uh, uh, dysphoria who claim that their inner reality is someone of the opposite sex, they're not people to hate. They're not people to have pity on. They're people to be loved and say, let us walk with you. We are not going to bash you. If you have gender dysphoria, or if you claim to feel like you are in the wrong body, listen, reach out to your savior, Jesus. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he has rest for your soul that this world has, that that this world cannot offer. And he knows what you're feeling. He wants to get in the fight with you to walk you towards the God who created you. It doesn't mean that you will not suffer, but if you humble yourselves under the lordship of Jesus and his word, it may not be easy, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it to follow Jesus. You see, the culture will send you a message that you're perfect the way you are, transgenders, heterosexuals, no matter what, they'll say, you are perfect the way you are. And the truth is, is that we're not. Is that sin has stained us. The heterosexual who's addicted to pornography, the couple who is living together right now, not married, having sex, sin has stained and corrupted our conscience. And we need a savior who can make our heart of stone a heart of flesh. And it is not by your good works 
It is not by your striving. It is not by your own wisdom. It is not by your, your education. It is not by your wealth. It is only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ that you can be saved and live eternally. And so to someone who has a daughter who is non-binary and wants to be referred to as they, them, I would say our compassion needs to be connected with them on a heart level, but we cannot compromise how God sees individual people. Now, this is going to make people very angry, but God has made each person fearfully and wonderfully. He has determined and said that I've made you male and I've made you female. And as parents, this, is, this takes so much wisdom from the Holy Spirit. It takes so much grace, but we need to see our kids as how God created them. And it is not hateful. And it is not dangerous to not affirm a child's perceived gender identity. Now, we need to walk this carefully with wisdom, but it is the right way to go. Now, as it relates to coworkers or relates to other relationships, I do think there is some liberty in what you do because we're not seeking to come out and trigger everyone and offend everyone. We're not trying to offend people, but we are having compassion without compromise. We need to be unrelenting in our love for people and unwavering in our stance for the truth and of the gospel. What I'll say is with all of our family members, with all of our relationships, we cannot forget to pray and we cannot forget to rely on the power of the gospel. Jesus is able. He's able to save anyone. And the the magnetic and gravitational force of our culture is trying to pull you into this controversial uh, narrative to get you to argue and to debate. And God is saying, take the higher road of loving everyone and not compromising. And to speaking the truth in love and to getting on your knees in prayer for the people in your world that you love. I'd like to close in prayer. We just, we just went through a lot and I think we should just close in a time of, of prayer that the Lord would lead us all. With everyone's eyes closed, Heavenly Father, I just pray for your wisdom. God, I just pray for your presence to fill every single person's life. That Holy Spirit, you would guide us all into greater levels of holiness. To the college student who's addicted to porn, to the married man who's secretly watching porn, to the woman who's, who's struggling with depression and anxiety, for, for, with the older man who's struggling with hatred in his heart towards other people. God, help us all to reject sin. God, help us to take the the big log out of our own eye and be humble before you and realize that we are all on a journey of becoming more Christ-like, of rejecting sin in our lives. And I just pray, God, that you would give us wisdom in how we relate to our world as it's becoming increasingly different and difficult to relate, God. Give us more grace. Give us more patience. Give us more boldness to stand for truth, but to love people radically. Now, if you're here 
and you don't know where you stand with God, you can know today. Culture will tell you that good people to go to heaven, it is not true. Good people do not go to heaven. There is not one good thing you could do to earn a place of right standing with God. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible says that there is only one name by which men can be saved. It is the man, Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Culture will tell you that all religions are the same. It is false and it is a lie. There is one way. There is one man, Jesus Christ, who died for you. No one else did. All other religions and lies will tell you that you have to do something to earn God's love. And the free gift of God's grace is this, is that you did nothing, but you get everything if you believe. You get eternal life. You get joy. You get peace. You get a new heart and a new life. Although it's free, there is a price. You have to humble yourself. You have to admit that I am a sinner and that I cannot undo what I've done. By admitting that, you're saying I need a savior. And by putting your trust in the work of Jesus, that he died on a cross for your sin and rose back to life so that you could have life forever, you gain access to eternal life. It is simply changing your allegiance, changing your trust from yourself and the world and saying, I trust Jesus Christ. So I want you to pray, if you want that, if you want that free gift of eternal life, the Bible says that if anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, if that's you and you want that free gift, I want you to pray with me and I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. So everyone else, would you just pray with me as well? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, even in my sin. I believe that in myself, I am not good enough. I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus is that savior. He died on the cross to forgive me of my sin and rose back to life so that I could live forever with him. I give you my life. I turn away from my old life. And from this day forward, you have all of me. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.